0: any marathon runner will tell you that finishing the race, it takes discipline, daily discipline, it takes endurance. And friends, we need all the help we can get in this. I need it, and so do you. How do we endure?
1: Welcome to Encounter the Truth with Jonathan Griffiths. And uh, Jonathan, when you leave a question hanging out there like that, you know we gotta answer that question, how do we
0: endure? Well, it's a great question and an important one, and Hebrews does give us some guidance. We've seen already that we are called to look to the witnesses of faith from the Old Testament and look at their testimony of faith, and that really is a help. We need to be disciplined about laying aside every weight in the Christian life, those things that will weigh us down as their distractions or that are sins that are holding us back. We need to be disciplined in that. And then the other thing, the main thing actually, is that we look, we look to Jesus by faith, We look to the one who ran the race before us, who endured in faithfulness in the midst of trial, who was willing to suffer, but then was vindicated and and raised again to life. And we look to him and we say, I can't do this on my own, but Jesus has done it. And if I know him, he lives in me by his spirit and he can enable me to do it. So day by day, we open up the word of God. We look to Jesus by faith and we, we trust him to enable us to do that, which we cannot do. That's the dynamic of the Christian life. And it's so encouraging to know that we have the power of Jesus within us, the one who has run the race already.
1: What a great reminder that if you are in Christ, then he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. We can keep running that race. And as you said, scripture are a big part in helping us do just that. So open your Bible to the book of Hebrews. We're in chapter 12 as we continue our message, running the race to the end. Here is Jonathan.
0: Christian life, it is a marathon, and it is not a sprint. We're called to go the distance, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, decade by decade, until the Lord takes us home. And we need to be so very careful that we lay aside everything that could weigh us down and slow us down. For the saints of old in chapter 11, they had to make some hard decisions about the things they would value and the things in this life that they would no longer value. Abraham, he had to let go his hold of, on his parents' homeland. Moses, you'll remember, had to set aside the treasures of Egypt and the privileges of the royal household. And for us today, it may be that there are some things in this world, some dreams, some priorities some treasures, some attachments, some things that maybe are not wrong in and of themselves, but as we look at them in the cool light of day, we see that they are just slowing us down in the Christian race. Maybe for you, I don't know, maybe it's career ambition. It's not that your job is bad in and of itself or undermining of your faith in what you're doing, but your ambition to progress and to rise higher on that career ladder. Well, it's just filling your heart. And it's absorbing your time and your attention and your energy. And it's doing so in such a way that over time, you're noticing that your Christian growth is being stunted. Your, your time in the word. Your ability to pray. It's all a bit limited and you, and you know it. And so just maybe your ambition is a weight that needs to be set aside. Maybe for you it's your sport commitments. Maybe you play on teams. And actually you're pretty good and, and you love it. But practices and games and tournaments, those things they take up evenings and they fill weekends and they intrude on Sundays. The, the sport itself, it's fine, it's wholesome, it's good but the commitment and the degree of the commitment, it's dragging you away. (laughs) It's stunting your growth. It's slowing you down. Maybe it's your pastimes. Maybe it's as simple as Netflix and Facebook and Spotify. These things not necessarily all bad in themselves, perhaps. But you look at the time and the energy you invest and you see, you know what? This is slowing me down a bit. This is a weight in my Christian life at the present time. And either it needs to be reduced or it needs to be cut out. But something's got to change here. Maybe it's your possessions. Maybe you just have too much stuff. And maintaining it and caring for it and paying for it. It's just filling your life and it's consuming your energy and your attention. None of it is evil or necessarily wrong in itself. But the effect on your Christian life as you consider it over time is just to slow you down a little bit. It's to stunt your growth. It's to limit in some way your service of Jesus Christ. And maybe as you think about that in light of Hebrews 12, to two, maybe you realize that's got to go. Something's got to change. I wonder if there are some things in your life, not evil things, not morally questionable things, but just commitments and attachments that as you think about them now perhaps are slowing you down in the Christian race. What are those things that even through this verse, the Lord might be calling you to reevaluate, to cut out, to reduce in some way, so that you will be less weighed down in the Christian life, so that you will be enabled better to run the race and to endure. We're all thinking about death more than we want to at the present time. But of course, there is something healthy for us in thinking about death from time to time. There's something healthy because it forces us to consider our fundamental priorities. What matters most to us in life in the final accounting? For the Christian, when we reach our deathbed, we we know that the thing that will matter to us most of all is simply this. Have I run this Christian race well? Have I endured in faithfulness right to the end? We want to hear those words from the master, don't we? Well done, good and faithful servant. We know that we won't care all that much about the possessions that we have accumulated, the accolades we have gathered, the career we have built. We will care simply that we have run the race, run it well, run it faithfully, and run it to the very end. What weights do you need to set aside even today to enable you to endure right to the very end of the Christian journey? We need to lay aside those general weights, but then more specifically, we need to lay aside the sin which clings so closely If the first part of the image speaks of a runner needing to make sure that he is is running as light as possible, traveling as light as possible, this next image speaks of the need to make sure that his his legs and his ankles aren't getting caught up in the weeds and the brush and the brambles at the side of the track. If you're not running on a clear track in the middle of the track, but veering off into the brambles and the brush, you you know you're going to get slowed down. You know you're going to get tripped up, you you know you're going to get waylaid on the journey. And if we've been Christians any time at all, we know the danger of the sin, which clings so closely. We know something of the weeds that will wrap their way around our ankles and and hold us back and seek to drag us down. You know, none of us ever reaches that point in the Christian life where sin just kind of stops being a problem for us where it no longer troubles us, where where temptation, it's no longer an issue for us. If you think you're there, let me say this, you better watch out because you are deluded and you're in a place of spiritual vulnerability. Even though we're made new in Christ, our sinful nature, our flesh, it is still there. We're not freed from that old nature until the day we die we have an ongoing battle with sin. The sinful nature within it resists the work of the spirit of Jesus Christ, who now resides within us and is this new force within the Christian. And and with the help of the spirit of God, the great powerful, life-giving help of the spirit of God, we have a role to play in this battle. We're not just passive. We're not just spectators. We need to actively prayerfully, dependently, and energetically lay aside the sin which so easily entangles us in the race. We all know what it is to be tripped up by sin. And and frankly, if we're being honest, we all know what it is to allow ourselves to run too near to the edge of the track in the race, too close to those encroaching weeds. We know what it is to allow ourselves to become entangled. Sometimes we're tripped up by surprise. We weren't quite watching. We got a little too close to the edge and we hadn't anticipated. But often as we look back, we know we've allowed ourselves actually to drift towards the edge of the track to embrace risk. I don't know where your particular areas of risk may be of temptation in your life. I could rattle off a whole list of possible areas of temptation, but I actually think that with a, a moment's of honest reflection, each one of us knows pretty well where those weeds are lining the track of our own Christian race, our own Christian life. So let me ask you, what are the sins that you need to set aside What are the weeds and the brambles that you need to be much more careful, perhaps, to avoid? What steps can you take in your Christian life, even today, to do that? To avoid the danger, to set aside the sin.
1: This is Encounter the Truth with Jatha Griffiths, and we're going to pause the message right here, but don't go anywhere. We'll get back to the message in just a moment. You know, if you want to connect with Encounter the Truth and more Jonathan's teaching, you can always do that through our YouTube channel. You'll find the link to that through our website, EncounterTheTruth.org. Or when you're on YouTube, simply search for Encounter the Truth, then like and subscribe, and you'll be up to date on Jonathan's newest teaching. Again, you'll find Encounter the Truth on our YouTube channel, so I hope you'll check that out. Let's get back to the message. Again, here is
0: Jonathan. What are the sins that you need to set aside... What are the weeds and the brambles that you need to be much more careful, perhaps, to avoid? What steps can you take in your Christian life, even today, to do that? To avoid the danger, to set aside the sin. Hebrews says to us, quite simply, lay those things aside. Uh, Cut them down, step away from them. Don't let them entangle you, because the constant danger is that those things will slow you down trip you up, ruin your race. Listen to the witnesses, lay aside every weight, and finally, look to Jesus, verse 2. We are to run this race with endurance, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I'm no great runner myself, and I certainly know very little about running marathons. But I do know this much. If you see a runner looking at his feet or a runner looking back at where he or she has come from, you know that you are looking at a runner who is in trouble in the race. You know you're looking at a runner who has lost focus, a runner who has probably actually lost hope in a great race, every runner who means to finish that race looks straight ahead throughout the course of that race, right to the very end. And in our race, Jesus, he is our all in all. He is the coach who put us on the track in the first place. He is the pace setter for the race. He is the forerunner who has reached the finish line well ahead of us. He is the enabler who by his spirit strengthens us to run. He himself is the goal of our race. Hebrews puts it so richly and so well. He is the founder and the perfecter of our faith. Jesus is himself the basis of our faith. In his life, and his death, and his resurrection, he did everything to enable us to come to the Father. And he not only achieves our salvation in that way, he completes his saving work in us, transforming us into his image little by little, day by day, keeping us by his spirit right to the end. Jesus is our everything in this race. And as we look to Jesus, as we have our eyes fixed on him, we have our eyes fixed on the one who ran this race and who finished this race and who did so perfectly. As he lived his earthly life, even though he is God, the son, Jesus had to trust the father each day and he had to learn to obey the father through many trials. We saw a profound glimpse of this early in our series, back in chapter 5, verses 7 and 8, when we, when we read this, that in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. It's a remarkable thought, isn't it, that God the Son allowed himself to face such experience of trial in his earthly life, trusting the Father, learning obedience all the while. And Hebrews tells us that in the deepest of those trials, at the cross itself, he endured by looking to the joy that was set before him at the end of this race he endured by looking forward to his arrival and his return to his heavenly home. To being with the Father, to sitting at the right hand on high, he looked forward to that joyful day and the prospect of it kept him going. And more than keeping him going, it enabled him, we're told, to despise the shame of the cross. The shame of being treated as a criminal and being executed as a criminal, it would surely crush almost anyone. The cross was designed not only to torture but to humiliate the sufferer who was put on a gruesome public display. But rather than be crushed by this experience of shame, Jesus we're told was enabled to despise it. And he did that because he had his eyes fixed on the future. Yes, there's suffering now, Jesus experienced it, but he also knew this, there is glory coming. Yes, this seems shameful to the watching world, but the cross, it is part of the set path that Jesus must travel to receive his crown. This is actually the way to glory. It was for Jesus, and it is for us in our Christian life. Jesus knew that before long he would be seated at the right hand of the Father on high. And so because of this, Jesus persevered and Jesus endured. Friends, if you and I are going to go the distance in the Christian life, if we are going to endure to the very end, if we're going to keep going, walking with Jesus and trusting Jesus through pandemic and grief, and financial difficulties, and disruptions to life, and all kinds of uncertainty. If we're going to do that, we're going to have to fix our eyes on Jesus. We're going to have to set our gaze, the gaze of our heart, on the future that God has prepared for us, and the future that God has promised us, the future that we're going to enjoy with him when we gather in his presence, and we delight for all eternity future in his goodness, I wonder, I just wonder how earnestly and how eagerly are you and I looking to Jesus even today, where he is seated on high in glory. How much are you and I today looking forward to and anticipating that day when we are going to see him face to face? How real are those things to us? and how precious are they? In normal times when the world is running as it usually does, when our activities and our diversions and distractions and recreations are uninhibited by social distancing and all the rest, you know, it's easy for us to be distracted by the pleasures and the pursuits of this present world. It's easy for us, frankly, to be too satisfied by those things. But I do believe that in the mess of this crisis, in the chaos of this crisis, we are actually being given an unusual opportunity to fix our eyes on Jesus and on our heavenly home. Many will know that simple old chorus, turn your eyes upon Jesus. I'm sure I've mentioned it before. It's been on my mind quite a lot uh, of late as I've been reflecting on this current situation. Let me just remind you. Let me just share it if you don't know it. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. There is a sense in which for all of us, the things of this present world have grown just a little bit less bright in recent days. They've grown a little bit more dim. We, we can't see and we can't experience all the things of this world as we normally would. But we are seeing with a fresh clarity, sometimes a brutal clarity, how very fragile they are. We're seeing in a very real way that these things are passing. And these things are temporary. It's not easy to have to confront that, but it is a valuable insight. And the crisis is providing for us an enforced opportunity to learn these things and to understand them more deeply. But as we grapple with the dimness of this present world, you and I, we need to fix our eyes on Jesus seated above. We need to fix our eyes on his glory and his brightness and his goodness and his majesty. That's what gives us hope. That's what gives us joy. That's what gives us spiritual energy for persevering in faith in turbulent days. But how do we do that? How do we look to Jesus? You know, I take it that the writer isn't just saying that we should close our eyes and imagine what Jesus might look like. He's not saying that we should gaze up into the clouds on a sunny day and hope to catch a glimpse of the heavenly court. No, surely we look to Jesus as he has revealed himself to us in his word in the Bible. We look to the pages of scripture and we see his work. We hear his voice and by faith we behold his face. And as our sight of Jesus is shaped by his living word, we do see him with those eyes of faith. But friends, doing this, it does require some intentionality and some effort on our part. It requires us to make space in our days and in the scope of our mind's attention to look to him. We need to be people who quieten ourselves enough each day, people who set aside distraction enough to open his word regularly, to listen to his voice, to look to him with those eyes of faith, to make it our daily habit to look to the Lord Jesus in his word it takes discipline and it takes a heart that longs to see him. But, you know, we need to do it. We, we need to see our Lord by faith if we are going to endure in this race. He is the one who will enable us to finish. We, we can't do it on our own and he will do it as we look to him as so much else has been stripped away from our daily routines, as our options for activity have been so reduced, I expect that most of us will have more opportunity and not less opportunity to look to Jesus in his word in these days. How are we going to use that opportunity? How are we going to use that time? If you yourself have never quite established that pattern and that discipline in your life, let me say to you now is a great time to start. Christian life, it is a marathon, and it is not a sprint. And any marathon runner will tell you that finishing the race, it takes discipline, daily discipline. It takes endurance. And friends, we need all the help we can get in this. I need it, and so do you. How do we endure? Well, we listen to the witnesses, and we we lay aside every weights that might slow us down, and we look to Jesus who founded our faith by his saving work, who will finish his work in us by his Spirit, and who models for us this perfect, faithful endurance right to the very end.
1: With the conclusion to our message, Running the Race to the End, that is Jonathan Griffiths here on Encounter the Truth. Our message is part of our series, So Great a Salvation, where we're taking a look at the book of Hebrews. And if you've missed any of the broadcasts in our series, I hope you'll come and listen online. Our website is encounterthetruth.org. While you're there, I want to ask you to consider a generous gift because it is your giving that keeps Jonathan's teaching on this radio station. And as you give a gift of any amount, we want to send you a copy of a book called The Case for Christ. Find out more or give online at encounterthetruth.org or call us at 833-99-TRUTH. For Jonathan Griffiths and our producer Mark I'm Steve Hiller and I hope you'll join us next time.